for the for times two. We're live. Yeah, we're live. No, yes. no, no, that's not allowed. There you go. All right, hold on. Ready? Oh man, look at you, <clears throat> world class drummer over there. Playing, yeah. I mean, playing the hits. Um, yeah, he's got headphones now. Look at Matt. I know, man. What happened over the past week? You've like got a whole setup, and you're like living as a drummer in the world again. I know. Well, I have drums now in a basement that sounds great, and I've been teaching right here. So this is just my rig. I got my mic. I got my headset. I got it all set up. So it's Good just for you. It's it's my new desk, and it forces me to sit upright without mm-hmm. a back, which I'm working on too. And breathing, you know. So. All the essentials, man. Good for you. Yeah. How's the pool? Uh, the pool's great. It's clean. Yeah. It's cold. It's wet. Uh, you guys should come. Well, Justin did come. I Justin came. came. We had a party with uh, fruit and veggies. and. Uh, Damn, I want to go in the pool. We set up our, um, our annual baby pool on our deck, me and Natalie, which is it's pretty big. Like It's big enough for both of us. So we just fill it up with a hose and we get in it and like just chill. And then I had her dump uh, whatever ice we had in the freezer in. And it's hilarious because it's like 10 pounds and it melts in two seconds. Did you get that that chamber? It's coming. It's coming uh, Monday or tomorrow or Tuesday. It's arriving. The barrel? The ice barrel. barrel. Yeah. The ice barrel. Okay. Jordan, you go try it? Well, here's the thing. Like I've experimented the cold shower like at times over the past 10 years or so but never in any uh committed way but i'm almost thinking like matt i'd go to your place and just jump in the ice bath just to see or was that be would that be too intense you could try it for sure but i but part of the the, like the whole point of it is to be able to get in it calmly without like jumping in you know and and i say that from a psychological standpoint too it's not just like all right i'm gonna jump in the cold and jump out it's like you want to be very mindful of it and get in calmly and control it. And this is what I was telling Natalie. Like I've seen a lot of people do, you know, cold training and, and, and ice training and I watch them and they're like, they're tense and they're breathing fast. And it's like, that's kind of the total opposite of, of why you train to get in the ice. You train so that you can be at peace with it and be at your center and be focused and meditate essentially. Um, despite what's going, you know, what's going on around you. Um, so that being said, you could certainly come do it, but I would like, I would want to like coach you into it. Like I'd probably dump like a, like a hose on you first. It's cold and like get you used to that. And like, we talk about what the cold is going to be like and prepare for it and breathe for it. And then you would get in, you know, and then see Uh, if you could go for like 60 seconds. So maybe I wasn't as articulate. The the vision wasn't to just come and hop out of my car and just run and just jump into the ice. Head bath. first, legs but I, up. But but I guess jumping in in the sense that like I'm not working steps up to it, yeah. like you're talking about with the hose. But I'd be down to do that too. I think that would just like a be a cool experience, like as friends. Yeah, you should. I mean, you both should do it. It's it's awesome though. It's. I don't know. It's, it's very, uh, it's been very integral to my daily life since I started doing it, you know, like even just it, without the ice barrel, just 
doing cold therapy every day of some kind. So let me ask, besides uh, like just physical benefits that you may feel like maybe there's less inflammation, et cetera, uh, I'm wondering the mentality uh, of what you're talking about, of not resisting, not fighting the, the cold, have you noticed uh, that mental strength uh, appear in other aspects of your daily experience? Yeah, ab- absolutely. And it can, so? it can be like physically like just I was doing the Peloton just now before we, we did this and I pushed myself to get further and further. You know, like this time I, I advanced my previous, my metric that I was measuring by about 100 um, and a lot of that is just like staying calm and focusing on like, if I get, you know, I, I do the, the calculations and if I can stay here and live in it, like this is painful, this hurts, but breathe and stay here. And if you could do it for 10 seconds, you could do it for 30 seconds. And if you can do it for 30 seconds, you could do it for 60 seconds and just keep going. And like you, you, you kind of work to stay present. I noticed that we were at the beach last weekend or the, yeah, it was last weekend, I think. And the sand was really hot. And um, I'm walking on the sand barefoot and I'm like, damn, this is hot. And like my initial instinct is to like run. But I was like, wait a minute, let it be hot for a second. Like it's hot, but it's not unbearable and you can bear this. And and if you go slow and you focus and breathe, you're going to get there. And I forced myself to walk at my normal pace to where I was going. And like, you know, 10, 15 steps into that, I got used to it. And so it's like things like that. And I mean, I I find myself thinking about just not letting myself get bent out of shape Mm -hmm. a lot better about things, not letting anxiety take over. You know, it helps with sleep too. Um, How so? Like if I'm, if my mind is really active and I, but I want to go to bed for, and I can, or I can't, I'm like tossing and turning. I just kind of, instead of trying to fight it or get frustrated, I just lay and I'm like, okay, let's just figure out what's, I don't know. It's, it's all I can say is it's kind of like slowing down. It's yeah. like you, you're able to stop and then like slow down and address what's happening in the moment and then bring yourself back to center a lot yeah. faster. Um, so that's why I'm really excited to get the actual ice barrel because it's a, it's a different level of cold. And, and this is what's really actually interesting about it. Like psychologically, our mind doesn't know the difference between like, you know, 55 degrees and 32 degrees. Like we just know it's cold. Like our mind can't gauge the temperature, but our bodies certainly will have a different, um, will experience a different effect from those two levels of cold. At 50, you can stay in a lot longer. You're not necessarily going to become, you know, hypothermic. You're going to, or at least not anywhere quickly. Um, and you're, you're able to manage it more. Whereas in like a barrel of straight ice, your body is going to feel the effects a lot more seriously. There's gonna be a lot more pain involved. So it, it forces you to like be more mentally focused. Um, so I'm, I'm going to start off because I haven't done it consistently in that way. I'm going to start off just, can I do for day one is, can I do one minute, mm. you know? And if that's easy, then I'll, I'll try for two. Um, but if that's really hard, then that's like the perfect way to start. It's like, okay, day one, I'm going to do one minute. Day two, I'm going to do one minute. Day three, I'll try one thirty. Day four, I'll try two minutes, you know, and I'll just gradually keep going. So I'm just excited yeah. to see the difference in, in what it does. 
So Justin, I, if I, I'm, I'm sorry, I real quick, because uh, you're part of this story. Um, I see the way in which it's, it's a mindfulness practice because uh, I was with Justin when I dislocated my shoulder a few years ago, and uh, Justin drove me to the hospital, and it took about three hours from the time that I dislocated it until a doctor was able to attend to me and, and work its way back in, which once it was back in place, you know, 90% of the pain had gone. Uh, but essentially for those three hours, I mean, it was so fucking intense. And it was like this cycle of every 10 seconds, that just wash of pain just spills out again. Um, but I think Justin can attest that I was relatively calm because it was like, well, what's my other choice to just freak out and to fight it or to just breathe and accept what's happening? I don't know. My, my recollection, I just remember uh, the backstory of it, which we were at Sky Zone, which is a trampoline park. We were doing races at the end of a uh, Sky Robics fitness class that I was teaching. Amazing, by the way. Thank you. Where you would, uh, two people would jump into the foam pit, have to get themselves to the other side Tag, tag the wall, come to the other side, and then tag the wall, and, and you would win. And Jordan dove, and I raced myself. I was the odd man out at the end. I raced myself, and I've still lost. Right, so he dove to try to hit, and then, boom, it happened. No, so actually, just it was I was swimming back, and it was really just, I, I guess, as I kind of did a swimming you know, forward motion with my arm, it just popped out, and I started slowly sinking <laughs> within the phone blocks, tear within the quicksand of the phone blocks. Yeah. Um, I, I remember more of the, okay, we have to calmly address this. Like we have to go get people to help us. We had to put a board in the foam and like roll you onto it and drag you out. I mean, it was for all intents and purposes of, of people like hearing this now and, and us talking about this from something that happened years ago. It's, I mean, it was, it was all shades of ridiculous, but yeah, when we got there, of course there weren't many options. You're sitting kind of in a, in a triage, uh, you had already been checked in by a nurse, and you kind of just have to bide your time. So, of course, there's a there's a few different ways you can you can take that, and of course, the the, the best course of action, if possible, is to try to remain as calm as possible. Uh, but to that point, I'm curious. Uh, so, like, I took a cold shower today because it's super hot out where all of us are here, somewhere around the areas of Baltimore. Right? Um, I was doing yard work, and right before I went inside to take a shower, I was biking. So I came in, you know, I was I was really sweaty. And so I was like, well, let me take a cold shower. And it didn't matter how cold I made it. I mean, I went to like whatever the coldest was. It still didn't feel that cold because my core temperature was still so hot. Right. But I did something that I know uh, uh, Matt and others who practice uh, doing the cold exposure would do. And I psyched myself up for it, you know, with like a 30 second, like, okay, it's going to suck, but like, it's okay. And remember when you hit the water and you want to start hyperventilating and you know, really, really getting your breathing out of control, you need to just remain calm. Uh, I'm curious, Matt, now that it's something that you do on a daily, you might find that you're, you're maybe more calm or uh, you're, you're easier on yourself, like you were saying to your point about sleeping, but do you ever psych yourself up for other things in life? Like, did you psych yourself up for the Peloton class to get in a, a, the same frame of mind, maybe animalistic or something else before you took the class? Yeah. I did. I, and I wore myself up actually on the drums for about 10 minutes beforehand. Um, and that's another thing that I've been trying to really use that same practice with. So, and not to deviate too much, but there's two, two things I want to mention. One is to address your question. So I played the drums 
I stayed in one particular groove scenario, one theme that I was working through. And what I was really trying to do when I, before I sat down, I was like, all right, I want to stay with this and I want to stay with it for 10 minutes straight without stopping, but I don't want to think about the time. And I want to see if I can break a sweat like I do when I play a show. Because oftentimes when I practice down here, I don't break a sweat. I'm just, you know, I'm hitting around. So I was actually able to accomplish that. And part of what I was doing was I was thinking about, okay, how am I going to approach this Peloton session? Am I going to do 30 minutes? Am I going to do 45 minutes? Well, I only have time to do 30 minutes. So that means I got to get to a higher number within a time frame that I've averaged, you know, around like 300 some calories in that time. I want to hit 400 today. You know, if I can get close to five, I want to get to five. And that's all I was thinking about while playing drums instead of thinking about playing drums. If that makes sense, which is a, it was like a, a unique kind of presence, which allowed me to like keep the beat going and the ideas flowing while breathing and thinking about the next move, you know, knowing that what I was doing was going to warm me up. And then I went right over and boom, just I hit it hard and I, and I achieved my goal. Um, the second thing about it's funny that I took two cold showers today. So I took one right when I woke up first thing in the morning. That sucks. That's when it's cold. Like you take it then, it's cold and it's uncomfortable and, you know, you got to breathe through it. I actually started uh, in like before I take my shower, I get in the shower and I sit down. We have like a little bench in there and I'll do three breathing rounds, three full like Hoff method breathing rounds. I'll do those. And then on my third, uh, my third round, final exhale where I'm holding it, that's when I turn on the water. So I'm X, I'm completely empty without air. Lots of, you know, the CO2 build up is building up. And then um, I'm basically going to the cold and I'm forcing myself to feel it how, no matter how shitty it is. After I did the Peloton, I had 20 minutes before the podcast. I took a cold shower. I couldn't get it cold enough. And I was like washing my armpits and washing my head. And it's like an oven on my body. You know, and I'm get out and I'm sweating still, and it's like fuck. I was trying to cool down, so it is amazing how like you know the activity you do can make a cold shower very enjoyable, but almost not even um, sufficient enough for what you want. Versus you know a few hours earlier, it's fucking miserable. Like anything, I mean you know it's. I think about it like this: like think how great it is when you are starving and you eat something really good, and then once you're getting full and you eat something, how miserable you feel. Yeah, you know? of course. Look, I, I think there's a lot to be said for the people who go uh, sauna, right, and then right into like a cold bath. And of course, it's not as bad as it seemingly could be if you were in a like a, a deep sleep and you kind of start to wake up and your body temperature is much cooler and there, there's no like thermogenic effect of you heating up. There's nothing in you. You know, there's no food. There's nothing, right? So then it's, it's you and the cold. Of course, it's going to be vastly different from if you were out there doing all this activity and you're sweating profusely and it's like 90 degrees outside or you just played 10 minutes of drums followed by 30 minutes. I mean, that's 40 minutes of like good activity. And even if, if um, you know, I, I liked your point, it, it um, you know, you only had 30 minutes to take the class, but the nice thing was you had 10 minutes to warm up as well. So, you know, you kind of even got more in there. Uh, but yeah, I, I think we can all probably attest to like the shower that I just took as well, because I was super sweaty. It was 20 minutes. Same thing as you right before we were going to hop on this. And yeah, I couldn't get it cold enough. It was like, I like turned it off and back on a few times. Like, come on a little colder. I, I really thought there'd be 
a, a, another gear, and there wasn't. And I think that's probably um, the enticing, appealing thing of having like the horse trough or having the ice barrel or something of that nature and actually putting all this ice in it. I'd be curious if we took like an IR gun and we shot the, the water, what's the temperature of the coldest we can get the, the shower versus what, how cold can we get it, an ice barrel? It's nowhere even close. I mean, it, it, it's really not. I think the ice barrel, you're going to be able to get it probably like low 40s, maybe high 30s if you have enough ice versus in our houses, it's probably in the six, like high 60s or maybe even like low 70s. I would think maybe similar to like when you first open a pool and there's no heater, you know, and you jump in and you kind of bounce out the buoyancy kind of throws you out and you're kind of hyperventilating a little bit of like, man, because most people I think maybe aren't prepared when they do that. But this you're setting an intention to get in there and and actually make something out of this that that's way more heightened. So you can, you know, transfer this to other parts of your life of of in a stressful situation, I'm going to remain calm and collected and have my wits about me. And I think that that is something that you know, of course, I'm not going to advocate someone to go do it. But, you know, at someone's own discretion, if they want to go try something like this, I, I think there are uh, benefits, even if it's just some kind of placebo effect that then you end up taking into the world that starts to become real. It's certainly palpable for me. You know, like it's definitely something that I'm, that I'm thinking about and seeing multiple times a day. The thing that I'm uh, that I'm really excited about that I want to make sure that I do the right way, and I know, I mean, you and I have both heard a lot of different schools of thought on this and seen people doing it different methods, like going between sauna and ice, going back and forth, right? You see people that they do seven minutes in the sauna, seven minutes in the ice, seven minutes in the sauna, seven minutes, you know, they do these these cycles. I, I feel like uh, for me, the I would want to do the ice first. For as long as I can, you know, maybe whatever it is, and then do the sauna for as hmm. long as I can. Because Why? to me, the, like to me, it seems more interesting. Like I'll bake in the sun and then jump in the pool. Well, because uh, to to the point of your body's warm, like it, you don't feel it as harshly as I as I want to feel it. Like I want to feel that ice bath, fucking like I want it to be brutal. You know. Okay. And when you get in a sauna, like when you're cold, you know, it takes, you can, uh, you can sit way longer in a sauna than you can in an ice bath, arguably, I would, I would, I would say. So, and when you get in a sauna, even if you're cold, you warm up pretty quick. I mean, you, you like 10 minutes in or less, I feel like you're there. And then if you can sit for another 20 minutes or 30 minutes past that or or more, then you're going to have the effects of both. Versus if I go in the sauna, I can probably sit for a pretty good amount of time, even if I'm not cold. And then I get in the ice bath and it's more refreshing than it is challenging. So I want to try doing the bath first, then the sauna for as long as I can. And then we'll worry about getting in the Aerodyne bike and, you know, fucking Laird Hamilton it up. (laughs) The one you got, because I looked at it too, I don't think it's going to be big enough for you and a bike. No, because I looked at one model that was a little bit smaller, and I felt like little old me is not even going to be able to like fit myself in there, let alone you, you know, who's a foot taller with a bike. I don't think it's going to work out. No, I, I won't be able to do that. But, you know, like... Jumping jacks, you I'll, can do yoga in the middle. You can do a bunch of things. Air squats, things, push-ups, dips. Right, to get to eat it. Yeah. 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 Jordan, um, 
First of all, Matt, it sounds like you're blowing up a moon bounce over there in your backyard. Uh, like I farted? No, like whatever that that like there's a motor running. Oh, it's it it's sounds just, like you you have the, like a um like a a robot or something running around. Oh like yeah, a, like the Roomba or a vacuum cleaner. It's amazing it's that loud. No, I mean just the air conditioning kicked on, but there's a vent oh, right wow. there, so I, that's why I'm going on mute. So, uh, well, as you go on mute, I have a question, Matt. Did you grow up going to any of the JCCs? Owings Mills. Okay, so would you like go in the sauna there? Yeah, and I went to the Summit Country Club too. Like my family had a membership there and they had the sauna. So I would go in all the time, but it was more so just like just to dick around and be like, oh, I'm going in the sauna. I didn't know what the hell like the benefits were at all when I was a kid. Well, well speaking of uh, the language you chose to use, uh, that's probably where I like first saw a bunch of like old Russian penises. Dude, yeah. Uh, well, that's, and that's what I equate to like locker rooms and, and saunas are just like old dude balls and, and dick just hanging out. And they're all so comfortable just talking. And I guess by the time we're in our 70s and 80s, we won't really care what's what's going on either. But uh, it's funny, like I, thinking back, my friends were such pieces of shit back then that went to the, the country club. They used to piss on the rocks in the oh, sauna. Jesus and it's like, <laughs> you know, and like, like, Back then, it's like you, you think it's funny and like you don't really – you don't think about it that way. Now I'm thinking about it. It's like what the fuck? Like, just, yeah, all those, all those old men in there are inhaling your friend's piss. Just it's nasty. Steam, it's as horrible. As the steam rises. It's yeah. horrible. Like, now, I will say I never did it. I never, ever did it only, only because I didn't want to get in trouble. I didn't like have – I knew it was wrong, but I would just laugh at my friends who did it. I found it hilarious, but – that was fucked up. And I'm talking about when I was like eight, nine, ten years old. Have you called um, them out? I just did. I mean, you know, I think you should hit them up after this and be like, man, I just wanted to let you know. Like, that was fucked up, dude. Don't come over and piss in my sauna, motherfucker. Right. Guys, I wrote on my stationery for the first time. I wrote ice bath. Nice. There you go. Oh, you know, Jordan, Jordan's a big proponent of, of like the standard bath. I'd be curious uh, if if Jordan did a little experiment for all of us uh, and took the ice cubes in the ice maker and just poured it in in cold water and, you know, slowly got in and controlled your breathing and everything else, uh, you know, what, what your experience would be like. I could I also have the kiddie pool outside. Okay. True. Yeah. You would just need to, it. you need to get a lot more ice than, than what's in the freezer. But he could just start with, you know, just with something. You a, could. A trial. Yeah, but but even that, like I did again, I did it today, and like it doesn't do anything to the water. It really doesn't. It doesn't have an effect. But if you did want to try it, just go up the street, hit up that Seven Eleven, on uh, you know, off yeah. of uh, whatever what uh, Owensville Boulevard. Yeah, Yeah, go up there, get like eighty pounds of ice. If you could find forty pound bags, get two forty pound bags, maybe a little more. Dump them in the in the bathtub. And get in. Or the kiddie pool. Or the kiddie pool yeah. and get in. That, that'll be a good amount to start with. Yeah. I, I, I don't know if I care that much, guys. I got this stationary now. I got things to write down. Okay. All right. Well, you should come to my house and do it, and then we'll have burgers. That I would do. That I, I would much rather do. I wanted um, to say one, one last thing on that uh, if we're going to kind of switch gears. But I think, look, I think all of us are very used to that feeling of, like, you're at the beach, you sit at the pool, you want to get hot first, and then you get in the water, Right. 
And I think the, the, the bigger point to all of this is being able to start to get more comfortable in uncomfortable situations. And we talked about this, like Matt going to uh, the doctor's office, right? You guys remember that? No, I don't. You don't remember that? Matt was saying that he gets pretty anxious when he goes to the doctor's office. So it's good for him to be able to kind of think through, almost put himself in the scenario and think and breathe through it so that when he gets there, he's cool, calm, and collected like he should be. It's like, I'm just going in. Nothing has happened. You know, I'm just going in, right? So I think there is something interesting about saying, let's get uncomfortable first in the ice because Matt and I are now used to using the sauna, you know, using it at the gym, uh, for a pretty long time now. And then Matt just bought one for his house. It's not in yet. It sounds like, but you know, but it's coming. And so then that'll just become a very normal thing. And typically we get in and it takes some time for our core body temperatures to start heating up and for it to start getting like seemingly uncomfortable, but it's not, it's not the same as when you get into that really cold water, it shocks the system. Jordan. Well, also kind of along those lines, like a lot of the the therapy clients that I, I've been speaking with, like over the phone, you know, now we've all kind of, many of us have settled into some sort of routine of what life is like now that we're, it's been, I don't know, almost four months of this. And sometimes they'll just be like, yeah, like things are good. Like I'm okay. Like I don't, there's really not much to like talk about. And what I'll kind of remind them is that this is actually like an opportune time to start like continuing to strengthen uh, your different muscles, your muscles of mental fitness, your your muscles of social or emotional fitness. Um, because now that things seem pretty steady, you're in a place that's not crisis mode where you can actually develop these things. And then when something like a global pandemic happens, you don't fall completely off the deep end. Sure. I find it like, Today and yesterday have been pretty, like, as far as schedule goes, it's been pretty lax. Like, there hasn't been many things that, that I've had to do, and I've been able to kind of take advantage of being home and doing stuff around the house. But I feel this urge to create stress, good stress. And, you know, like exercising, making sure I do a hard workout, making sure I take a cold shower when I first wake up, even though I don't want to, making sure that I, you know, go outside and sweat and I get some sun, even though it's miserably, miserably humid and hot right now. Um, I find myself craving those scenarios. And if I don't do them now, I get more frustrated, I think. And I get almost more agitated with myself for not putting myself in those moments mentally and physically. Um, and I guess it's the same thing as like a hard workout or a run or what people, you know, the, the benefits that people get mentally from exercise. It's the same kind of thing. Um, but it's definitely at a point now where I crave it on a daily basis. And it's not just like, oh, this would be good. It's more like if, if I don't do this, I know I'm going to be annoyed with myself. And maybe that is in and of itself the thing to work on next to not be annoyed with myself to, to, to give myself a break some days and be okay with it. Yeah. That's a form of stress in and of itself. Um, but also to your point, like there is, so a lot of people think the goal is to eliminate all stress. Uh, that's foolish. Uh, we, there's a term called you stress, E U stress, uh, U stress, uh, which is a good kind of stress. For instance, like Matt, if you were about to get on stage in front of a few thousand people for a periphery show, if you didn't feel any sort of like stress uh, in your body, then I'd probably say, man, maybe you should like find another job 
or another hobby. Uh, stress is, is meant to prepare us for something important, um, you know, and, and stress that often feels uncomfortable. Uh, that's also often there to give us important information. Uh, it, there could be a lion that's about to attack you. And then the stress response uh, goes off in our body. It's part of the uh, parasympathetic nervous system. Um, and, uh, or the sympathetic nervous system. The parasympathetic would be the opposite, the relaxation response. Uh, for many of us the, as human beings, the issue is that the stress response never fully turns off. Uh, and it's just like this constant drip of uh, like hormones like cortisol um, that uh, makes us feel agitated, like an undercurrent of agitation or anxiety uh, or things like that, that ends up becoming incredibly destructive to our target organs um, and our mind and our lives for that matter. Um, but like stress is good. You know, I often feel a certain type of stress if I'm going to give a public presentation and Many of us, and at times in the past for me, I might interpret that as like, oh shit, like this is bad, something feels dangerous. Uh, but no, now I can say to myself, like, I give a shit. It's nice, it makes me feel alive to like feel that kind of stress. You know, my body is letting me know, like, yo, it's time to like pay attention and turn it on, like, provide energy to the situation to succeed. Yeah, that's that idea of turning that stress into excitement. Meaning, if, if you're able to recognize it and you, you feel fear and it it's, has a negative uh, sort of effect on you in some way or it has a negative connotation to you in some way, you need to turn that around if it's something you like to do, like drumming. Like if I'm nervous to get on stage or, or giving a public speech, if I'm nervous to go speak, which is a massive fear for a lot of people, and I think we've talked about this before, you have to figure out how to frame it as this is a familiar feeling that comes back when I'm about to do something that I really like and that's a good thing. It means that everything is working in my body and in fact, that feeling isn't a bad thing or anxiousness or nervousness. It's excitement. It's, it's thrill. It's uh, you know um, exhilaration to go do something you love because you're about to experience such a rush of energy and adrenaline in a lot of cases and just good feelings, good, good release of, of, of chemicals. So, um, oftentimes we, ha we have to actually work on acknowledging what we're feeling and then reframe it into something that is more positive than something that's negative. And it's hard to do that in the moment when you are feeling it. Um, but that, I think that goes back to that, that whole idea of slowing things down. Like, slow the frames down for a second and look at what's happening and then decide how you're going to approach it. And that's what all these practices do for you. Yeah. And to the earlier point I was talking about with my clients, it's actually having these kinds of conversations and, and learning this knowledge when things are pretty chill and you're not in that experience of, of something that, that's a heightened stressful experience. Um, but yeah, it's all in how we interpret these things. Uh, and that's why at, at the level of cognition, we have to learn how to work with our bodies. We have to learn how to work with our emotions. Um, because physically, good stress or quote unquote bad stress uh, are expressed in very similar ways. So before I give uh, a speech in front of a few hundred people, um, or just before I'm about to, uh, I don't know, take an exam that is like highly stressful, like my palms might get sweaty. 
it may feel like I have to pee even though I just peed two minutes ago. So physically, uh, my heart will race. Uh, so physically, it's the same thing, but it's how do we relate to the physical experience of stress? For some, you may just automatically equate unconsciously, oh shit, my heart is racing, I'm in danger. Yeah, I think it's important to be able to label it. And I think to your point of, uh, you know, when you're not dealing with uh, impending stress or when stress is not present in your life, that's a great time to sit back uh, and, and take some inventory of yourself and actually start to feel like, okay, I've been in the simulator enough times. Like, you know, I've actually experienced this stuff of like, okay, this is what came in. This was the input. Well, on the outside, what's going to be my output of this? Like, how am I going to actually process and frame what this feels like? And it's really important to be able to actually be conscious of what you're feeling and then label it for what it actually is and, and also what it isn't. You know, I think it is easy to feel our heart racing. And of course, we know that that happens with, with multiple different stresses, right? Uh, it, you have to then process cognitively and say, well, like, why am I feeling this? And also remind yourself that this is okay. Because look, when we do give a shit about certain things, you know, if you're if, to Jordan's point or, or to Matt, you know, if you're going to go play a show, if you're going to do like a, a keynote speak, speech somewhere, of course you should feel something, right? But it's about labeling it for what it is. And even though it manifests the same as maybe some other form of stress that's negative, this is very positive. It means you care, you give a shit, you showed up, you're prepared, you're ready. And all we have to do is flip the switch in the brain. And of course that just takes, you know, repetitive motion of every time it comes up, you got to remind yourself of like, this is okay. You know, and, and I wanted to make another point with what Matt was saying about working out. Look, I think it's uh, the eustress thing is very important. I think it's easy to get to the end of the day and kind of kick ourselves for not doing enough. And I think we have to be very mindful of what does that actually mean? Does that mean I like redlined it and was like, you know, just like, you know, blowing the motor up all day? Or is it a thing of like, well, I actually kept saying I'm going to like go work out, but then I ended up doing nothing, Right. And I think at the end of the day, we, we have to be kind to ourselves, but we also have to be really realistic. And we know that that use stress actually feels really good when we, when we go out and exercise, you know, you get the endorphins kicking, uh, you break a sweat and you just start to feel better, right. And more relaxed. So I think it's important to also frame that as in like, you don't want to go day in and day out and just like at the end of the day, kind of say like, Oh, like, you know, there's always tomorrow. It's all good. You know, cause I think at a certain point we have to be realistic with how we feel about it. But yeah, if you've worked out four days in a row to take a day, and, and I feel the same way you probably do, where it goes like, shit, I worked out Monday through Thursday, Friday's here, and I'm like, well, active recovery, aka let's just go do something, like let me get after it, and maybe not really frame it any different from the other days. But uh, we, we also know that taking a break, it can be highly beneficial. So I think it's, it's finding that balance and not allowing ourselves to be you know, a little too easy on ourselves and giving us too much of an out where we're like, eh, you know, there's always tomorrow. Well, and maybe I have a mental mental issue, but like that's part of the reason why I really like the sauna because on a day off, I can not do a workout, but I can get in the sauna, which has a very similar effect on our cardiovascular system to like a pretty, like a moderate workout, you know, like a and moderate- And still break a sweat. And break a sweat, your heart rate gets up, you, you know, you're doing good things to your body. So I guess, that's part of the reason why I'm so excited to get back into, into the sauna use because there is no day off then really, you know, it's like, and that's good. Like, I don't think that's a bad thing. It's not like intense power lifting where I'm 
damaging my muscles and I'm hurting myself. It's it's aerobic, or, or I should say, it's it's cardiovascular exercise um, while at rest, which is really it's it's good for you. I was thinking the same thing as you because I'm thinking about we had Bubble on a few weeks ago and he's a, he's a heavy power lifter, right? So he's going to, he's going to go out and he's going to put on a lot of weight on a bar and he's going to either try to like deadlift it off the ground or you know bench press it off his chest or he's going to put it on his back and try to squat it and that's really taxing our central nervous system, right? It takes it takes a lot to actually fire off that big move that movement and you only do so much of it, right? And you give yourself a lot of recovery time in between reps and sets for that kind of stuff where then you kind of feel like the next day you might be a little bit more on the trash side because you're pushing it towards, uh, you know, sometimes closer to 100% of what you can like maximally put out. I think what you're doing and the kind of training that I'm looking at, uh, and even Jordan just playing the drums day in and day out or getting outside and swimming in the pool, we're doing it where say we're only at 40 to 80% of our max. And that way, we, it's a thing where as long as we stay healthy and very conscious of when we're doing these moves, we're mindful to be in proper position. If we don't know what that is, we ask questions or we look stuff up on the great thing called Google. Uh, and that leaves us the space that if we do want to get up the next day, we can still do something. And I think that's maybe the point where some people miss is that like a lot of people I think jump into the framework of I'm going to get into meditation or I'm going to get into like the ice bath or the sauna uh, fitness, et cetera. And it has to be, it's like all or nothing. Like, Oh, if I don't have like in two hours to go blow it out in the gym, it's not valid and not worth it. But like, no, you're like, all right, just do, you said you're going to do the, try to do one minute in the, in the ice barrel. And, and I hope that you would like honor that one minute. If you, if one minute sucks and it's super hard, be like, fuck yeah, I did one minute. Not like, ah, oh, I should have been able to do more. I've been practicing, et cetera. Right. Uh, I think I think that's kind of the difference where if you're not always pushing it to the nth degree, then you can kind of show up day in and day out. And if it does feel good to have a movement practice every day, why not do something every day? Yeah, and that's all it is. It, I, I'm not trying to, to blow myself out every day at, at this max level. You know, we've talked about this before, like as much as I love and respect the mentality of people like the David Goggins of the world, as an example, and he's one of many great people out there. That's Who is not, that? Uh, he's a former Navy SEAL. He's a uh, an ultra runner, like an ultra marathoner. Um, absolutely, very intense human being who pushes himself and others to the limit. I mean, that's a great way to explain him. Is he he ran a two hundred forty mile race recently? Something that he's done multiple times at like. He got lost 15 miles of it, so he ran extra on 240. Uh, he hit like maybe 200, and he had some kind of like lung condition. He was in, he, he had a he had a DQ himself, and he went to the hospital. And he came back the next day, even though against doctor's orders, of course, to go finish the other 40. Right, That's just like uh, yeah, as I think Joe Rogan would say, he's like like uncommon in a room of like uncommon folk, something of that nature. Yeah, just super out there. Yeah, uh, and that's I don't, I don't need to to reach that to feel self validation on a daily basis. But I want to do something because I know it. I feel good when I do it, and I also know it's good for me. So to your point, if I set the goal of one minute, and that one minute is hard in the ice bath, and I reach one minute, I'll be totally stoked because I'm setting that goal and I'm trying to do it. Even if I get 45 seconds and I can't take it. So much of it is, is at least I tried, 
right? At least I got past the self-doubt enough to try and I made some progress from zero. If I go from zero to 45 seconds, that's so much better than zero, right? And, and that is something that, that I absolutely try to give myself on a daily basis. It's more so if I'm, start, if I'm making excuses to myself on a daily basis, oh, you don't need to do this today uh, because you're gonna fast and you're not even gonna take in a lot of calories and yesterday you did a hard workout and you don't need to do anything. Like, but at the same time, I wanna do something because I know that I will feel better and I'll get good benefits and combining moderate exercise with a fast is really good for you. So it's, you know, it's like that balance. We don't need to get too, too into the granular aspects of it, but you know, I think it's just, you have to find it for yourself. You have to find out what works and, and what you can, you can feel good about and, and go to sleep feeling happy about every night. And for me, I think I've found some combination on a daily basis of different, uh, exercises and, and, therapies, if you will, that I can take on on a, on a daily basis and, and feel good about. And if I do all of them in a day, fuck yeah, that's amazing. If I do some of them or even one, that's fine too. You know? well, I fuck think, yeah, that's great. I think you should take the, the attitude the same way. I think that's the key. It's, and, and that's one of the reasons why I stress self-awareness so much. It's because uh, it's, it's every single day or break it down even like smaller, like hour by hour. It's just assessing like, where are you and like, what do you need? Uh, and it's not just physical exertion. I know for me every day I need uh, socialization. I know every day I need to have an outlet for creativity and there's different types of creativity that make me feel like if I'm not providing that for myself, then I feel uh, depleted in, in some sort of sense, uh, emotionally or otherwise. Um, but I have a decent understanding of, uh, how I operate and how I can best feel from day to day. And then it's just a matter of like giving myself that nourishment. And I think it's really important to remember that uh, even if you do a little, but a little bit of it, that's so much better than doing none of it. Right. So like when I think of like these four therapeutic kind of modality pillars, right. Of like sleeping well, working to de-stress. Thank you. The food that you're eating, aka the nutrition that you're putting in your body, and some kind of movement practice. It doesn't have to be much. I know I said this recently uh, with a couple different guests. I, I think um, you know someone was saying that they walk. Chris maybe was saying they he walks 30 minutes to get to his studio and 30 minutes back. Well, think about that. That's an hour of movement. No, you didn't lift something heavy, but that's freaking fantastic. Not everyone. Uh, makes the time to go out and just get some like light, uh, non-exercise kind of like activity thermogenesis. Not everyone has that in them where you're just out there doing your thing. I think it's important that if, if uh, Matt, you were saying you played the drums earlier and you did 10 minutes of just trying to keep a groove without really paying attention to it, but kind of maybe getting lost in this state of just playing this groove, right? Something to that, something to that nature. I think that's a form of meditation. You know, well, yeah, when you were talking about it, it, it was not unlike Beatwell in that the point wasn't drumming for the sake of drumming or becoming like improving like a specific groove. Uh, the drumming experience provided uh, a foundation for something else. 
Yeah, I used drumming in a theme to focus on what I'm about to do on the Peloton. It's, right. It's weird. Right. Like it's no, it's, a, it's, a, it's a lot going on, but it but it but you're right. Yeah, it's a form of meditation. 100%. Yeah, look, I I think it's super important that you could take one deep breath. Uh you could just listen to one really good song and that could be that could be the way that you de-stress for the day and that you treat it yourself kindly. I think that's fucking awesome. Right? I think in the same breath, you could just take a a, a one minute walk and say, you know what? I think I need to like just get out and move a little bit because my body is feeling something and I'm I'm tapping into as like what Jordan always says, the body holds all the wisdom. You should tap into it, you should listen to it. I went for a walk. Even if you start with like you took 10 steps, I walked from here to the mailbox. It's something and it's something to build upon. And I think it's really important that, you know, maybe you don't do all of these things every single day, but maybe you also realize that that's the nourishment that you need. So then you carve out the time for it. And it all starts with us just being intentional and actually figuring out what do I actually need to be seemingly the best version of myself. And then, you know, trying to just make the time for these things. It's, I, I think it's highly important we start thinking more about, uh, how can we do just a little bit every single day? And then we just build upon that. And it doesn't have to be hours upon hours. It doesn't have to be that you went out and you, you ran 20 miles. I'd be happy if someone just went out and took 20 steps, you know, and the next day they did 21 steps. And if you have a little bit more time, take 40 steps. Like, you know, what are, scale it to what you can actually do. And if you do have the time, carve it out and, and really do that kind of, you know, you know, check in with yourself of like what makes me feel like the best version of myself. And when you figure out what that is, start hammering at that stuff and every day hammer at it. So for me, like part of that is just listening to music and often listening to new music. Uh, I get a tremendous amount of joy and value and thrill in just listening to music I've never heard of before. So I'm curious, like what have you guys been listening to over say the past couple weeks? Like are, are there albums or songs that, you keep returning to Matthew. Mm, not really. Uh, I mean, Natalie always has music playing in the house. So, you know, I'll say to her like, Hey, let's, why don't you try a new playlist today? You know, and it's always just something, some, it's, it's a mix that has like songs I've heard too many times that I don't like. And I like make fun of her up for it. Cause she likes them and she listens to them over and over and it doesn't get boring for her. Whereas for me, it, drives me crazy. Um, is it pop music or like pop country? No, it's it, no, it like she had on like some summer, I forget what the, what it was called, but like it was on Spotify summer something mix. So it had like, there was a Don Broco song. Dan Lancaster had a song on there and then there was Halsey. And then there was like, um, some country artist and Lizzo. So it was like a big mix and some of it's great. I don't really care what the, the genre is, but some of it just drives me nuts. But no, you know, it's funny. I try to listen to things that are um, not even, I'm not even talking about music, like just something that's like stimulating in some way. And, and lately I've just been listening to things that have made me laugh. Um, so I've been on to this, this new podcast with um, Tom Segura and Bert Kreischer, um, Two Bears, One Cave. And it's just <laughs> fucking hilarious. And I just, I listen to it because... It's like listening to a couple of your friends talking and they're hilarious people and you're part of a fucking ridiculous conversation. And I think the best part about it is there's some dude who's like one of the producers in the background who, whenever they say something funny, loses his fucking mind. 
laughing. It's hysterical. And it just gets you in it. So I, I, I don't know. Like, that's what I've been listening to. I can't sit here and say that there's any bands or like specific music that I've been listening to a lot lately because I really haven't. Even when I work out, I find myself putting on like, uh, like a show um, or if I'm on the Peloton, I'm obviously taking a class um, mm-hmm. or I'll put on a podcast. But, but I haven't really been listening to, to too much music. Yeah. Hmm. Justin, what about you? Uh, so today, as I was riding my bike around the neighborhood, I actually, I just listened to Rhonda Patrick, Dr. Rhonda Patrick, who, who I love. And that always gives me great inspiration. Doesn't necessarily make me like work harder on the bike or whatever that's worth. Uh, recently I did get pretty pumped up on a Limp Bizkit album. Yeah. I was feeling, I was feeling that it was getting me going. Uh, I also checked out. What's the first Linkin Park album? Hybrid Theory. Hybrid Theory, right. I listened, I went back to Hybrid Theory because Chester has some band that he was in like in the 90s or something that like now has a single out, hmm, which no. is pretty solid. It's nice to hear his voice. You know, it feels still pretty, you know, iconic for what it's worth. Uh, but the one that I like kept going back to the well on and it still hasn't run dry is freaking Dead and Company. Hmm. Hmm. Oh, that's wow. interesting. I've, uh, you know, like, well, I've great- thought of that in a fucking long time. It's been a long did, time. Well, so Matt, did you ever have like any sort of, uh, I guess, phase in your life where you got into like Grateful Dead or even just bands similar to that? No, not really. I mean, I tried to it at one point, um, but it's funny. I was watching this this documentary yesterday. Um, it's on Netflix. It's about psychedelics. I don't know if you got. It's like a yeah. The drum, the one drummer's in it. Yeah, 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 he's in it, and they're talking about how like I forget who said it, but he's like, I don't even like the Grateful Dead, but I fucking seen the Grateful Dead thirty some times or whatever it is because when you take a hallucinogenic, it's the greatest fucking, fucking music ever. So that being said, the times that I've that I've tripped, there's been either uh, there's been music in of that same sort of. Uh, genre on where I've been and it's awesome because it's just uplifting and chill and there's no, there's no bad vibes and it just, I don't know. It's, it's fun, but I don't, I, it's not something I would ever put on and just enjoy listening to. Growing I, up, I, ne- I never understood it. There was like nothing that was, that got into the Grateful Dead. I remember a summer camp experience when I was probably like 14, 15 that like fish became a thing, but it was just one album that beat was like, yeah, I think it was, Voiced maybe that was like that was like oh this is like but but it felt more like regular uh, songs and not just like a twenty minute extended jam and that was more I don't know, tolerable at the time and I felt like oh this is kind of digestible I understand this is like similar to the music that I'm currently into so that made sense uh, but it's not Grateful Dead because like I remember being at like the top of maybe Upper Haight Street in San Francisco and walking down to Haight Nashbury and putting on whatever some some you know blog had said this is the best album and i walked down to the corner where all of this kind of happened in the 60s and i said yep i don't get it however (laughs) for years i talked about like but i get why people did drugs and thought it was like the fucking tits and was like oh best thing ever i'd be like because of course you'd have to do something to make it through this like three hour blistering jam session however there's something about dead and company where 
John Mayer is the Jerry Garcia role. And because I grew up on John and I still think that what, what he and like when Steve Jordan and Pino Palladino are around, what they do, I think is just magic. I think when, when John plays those songs and is part of it, it just resonated heavily. Plus yeah. just wanting to feel the good vibes. It, it made all the sense in the world to get down with it. And I, I just started playing it. I started putting like a Technicolor, the bear, you know, on things that I was posting. I was just like, this just feels good. Even the background on my phone right now is like, you know, the fist and it's got like a, a dead and company thing going on with it. And I'm just like, it just makes me feel good. Anytime I'm just feeling like I just need some good energy, some good vibes, boom, dead and company. And it can be now look, fire on the mountain is the, is the best thing that, that if anybody wants to check out a track fire on the mountain live, where O'Teal, the bass player, sings the lead and everyone kind of freaks out. It's his like first lead. But it gets me like it gets me going. The same way that like, you know, metal or something else would get me going. Well, I think what's interesting, sorry, Matt, is no, you like, like John Mayer was your connection point. He to, was my hook. I right, bought it. Well, because you already had uh, a, a, an emotional connection to him as a musician and, and an artist. Yep. Yeah. And so Look, I think a lot of people, and, and in many ways, uh, Grateful Dead kind of were uh, pioneers in this sense of like the experience of being a fan of a band and especially going to live shows is you're, you know, you're entering into culture, you're entering into community. Uh, most people who listen to music don't experience music the way the three of us do, you know? Um, right. uh, uh, but for so for some people, it could be oh, a lot of my friends are going to this Dead and Company show, or uh, a bunch of my friends are like juggalos, and I'm going to go to this ICP show, and that's kind of the hook. And because there's that context of wanting to feel a part of community, then the music becomes a lot more attractive. Where if you just heard uh, a song completely cold, without context, and without the influence of other people around you, uh, you may not be as inclined to enjoy it. Right. My first thought went right to ICP because, of course, Matt, you might not be a part of this, but when Jordan and I started listening to ICP, I mean, that was like it. That's like all we listened to for a moment in time. Yeah. And it you know. sucks. The music sucks. Like, I, I think. But it was fucking good. But I love it. But, right. but it was more so that what got me into them was they were pro wrestlers. Right. So they fucked with pro wrestling. I first saw uh, an ad for one of their records in a pro wrestling magazine. So it, it I wanted to like it. Sure. You know what I mean? Because I already yeah. felt a connection to it. Matt, I think that's one of the best things Periphery has done. I mean, you guys have built culture and community. And look, we've been able to, to uh, leverage some of that equity to build community around a podcast platform uh, because... Uh, Fans of Periphery feel more connected uh, to someone like you than they may feel to the drummer of whatever other metal band. Yeah, no, I, there, it's a it's a huge part of music is feeling like you're a part of uh, a niche, a group, um, a community, as as we call it. Yeah, um, and that's also why I like podcasts too. Mm -hmm. You know, certain podcasts, you, you feel like you have the same sense of humor. If it's like a comedy podcast, you feel like you have the same sense of humor as these people. And it helps you feel like you know them. Um, not to go down this road, but with all the negative shit that's been happening in the comedy world in the past two weeks, there's so many people, myself included, who on some level have felt 
like a personal like sting because of certain things that are happening. And that, I don't know these people fucking personally. Um, but it's the same reason why we feel so sick and sad when we lose someone like Chester Bennington or Chris Cornell or, you know, Jerry Garcia, whoever it is. It's like when, when you, when you invest in a community, when you invest in an, in a, in a movement like that, which these are all different movements, you, you certainly feel like, you know, these, these things, know these conversations, know these people. Uh, I hope on some level, even if it's on a small level, that that's what we're cultivating here with this podcast. Um, and I hope that it's based around the conversations that we have to motivate, to motivate people, to inspire people, to be vulnerable um, and, and honest with yourself and try to do more on a daily basis. I think that is the at, at the center, uh, almost the ethos of what we're trying to do versus just have conversations for the sake of having conversation. Um, but that's just where we're at, I think. We're all the three of us and our guests are working on those things. Um, yeah. Not to deviate and, too far, but. And also, look, I don't think this podcast as a project would be as interesting to me if there wasn't a Facebook group. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, Cause that is part of the expression of, of the spirit of chocolate croissants. You know uh, it's to actually build community. Um, but also fuck the world is one of the sickest tracks written by any band <laughs> <laughs> of all time. Hell yeah, man. How do you yeah. think of that Woodstock performance? Yeah, 99, 99. Woodstock 99. I don't, even rem- I don't remember it, but uh, I, I don't even know if they were, if they were there, I'll, I believe you. But yeah, um, that's, that's like one of the, one of the sickest songs that I listened to over and over because it was like, Oh, these dudes are saying fuck and it's recorded and they're saying it like 200 times, you know, it's impressive. It's, I think and look, it's just, just to say, I, I think there's, like a lot of people could look at a band like that and just be like, man, they're so negative and they're so angry uh, and they're so d- filthy. And uh, but, Juggalos but like, are some of the nicest fucking fans of all time. Yeah. I mean, I, I even when I was, I, I think I saw them for the first time, uh, I was 13 years old and had no parental supervision. And there's just these older people like could not have treated me more kind, you know, in, in the mosh pit, you know, people looking out for you and, and yeah. things like that. Um, especially they get excited when some like pre puberty, like kid who's like barely five feet is like rocking the fuck out to ICP. Hell yeah. Um, but, but I, I think, look, I, I like to think, and I know I am in many ways, uh, someone that tries to be positive in the world and, and be empathetic and spread love. Um, that doesn't mean like, it's not fun to just like sing, fuck the world. Yeah, you know, like in any way, it's it for me, it's it's a healthy expression of aggression, uh, and it's not that literal either. No, it's not that literal. I, I mean, it's it's tongue in cheek. Yeah, it's tongue in cheek. What you, and, you, and it's like when you hear Fred Durst, whatever song that is that they did. That's on, what I'm thinking in my head. Yeah, I'm, I'm I, Nine Inch Nails part. And I'm going. What song was that? You know, it's, it's, you know. What did he say? Like, like it's, that's 46 fucks in this fucked up rhyme. Something like that. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Oh, if I like, say fuck two more times, that's, that's for 36 or 46 fucks. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, it's yeah. Like, like, you know what? Like, it's cool. It's, I get it. But ICP did it first and they did it better. Not to create a whole thing, but I'm pretty sure they did it first. They did, they did it better. If, if, if they were doing that in like 99 at Woodstock, I think chocolate uh, starfish, starfish in the hot water was like 2000. So mm-hmm. yeah, they, 
They did was it. Didn't someone, uh, didn't Shaggy Too Dope dropkick someone in Limp Biscuit a couple <laughs> years ago? I vaguely do remember that, yeah. In, in Camden, New Jersey at that amphitheater there. Hmm. Uh, that slap of concrete at Waterfront. Uh, yeah, uh, whatever it's called now. Uh, but that, that uh, Shaggy always had my favorite lyrics. Something like, I'm too dope and I sport tight Wranglers. Don't say a word or I'll kick you in the neck, bitch. So maybe that's where that came from. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, hey, guys, we're so off the of, rails right now. This is of, great. Speaking of uh, uh, what we're what we're conversing about, I'm now an ordained minister. That's beautiful. That's awesome. Congratulations. Like Thank ICP you. to minister, right? I uh, I perform a long way. I performed my first wedding ceremony uh, amongst a, a audience of like five people. If me and Natalie ever renew our vows, you can officiate our wedding. I'd be honored. You know, a lot of people, look, I did a, I did a great job and I knew I would. Uh, I wouldn't have like said, yeah, I'll do it if I didn't believe that in myself. But then like, I probably surprised some of the people, like the moms that, that were present. And, you know, I'm getting the feedback like, oh, like you could totally do this for like whoever. And I'm like, or like make extra money doing it. I'm like, fuck that. Like I did a good job because I gave a fuck. Right. You know, like I did a good job because like I actually brought myself into it, you know, like to get to know the, the people in the relationship and to, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I couldn't, I just, I can't imagine like someone calling me up and being like, uh, Hey, like I, my cousin, uh, is getting married, would you want to, like, officiate their wedding? It's like, no, I don't even know who these people are. Right, you are. don't know them. There's no connection to it. But for you guys, that would be the ultimate honor. I mean, you know, when the time comes, maybe uh, maybe Justin and Carly will take advantage of those services. Uh, we had talked about that. We, I mean, we went down a rabbit hole on that one, for sure, and we came out on the other side, you know, whatever. Jordan, Jordan was going to be the guy. But Matt, you had a, a friend or a no? Family. Natalie's brother did it. Okay, that's right. right. So right. it yeah, was yeah. a personal connection. Yeah, I just can't imagine like hiring someone that just doesn't know you. Yeah, oh, it's, but, uh, we, it's, but we see it all the yeah. time when it's when it's more religious. You get someone who's like potentially close to the family, maybe has nothing to do with the family, and and the to actually make it personal and feel really intimate. I'm sure that's what the moms were feeling because they maybe have never experienced that. But the bigger part of that is just, is just caring. You know, I, I don't think there's enough really pointed questions asked about of the specifics of the relationship and the why, and like, what does this actually mean to you? And what are we doing here? And if you can speak eloquently to that, and not everyone has that in their wheelhouse, that's not in, you know, everyone can't play in that arena, but Jordan, you're used to this. You've gotten in front of uh, hundreds. You've gotten in front of like, you know, single digits, right? You've also gotten in front of thousands of people, whether it was playing a show or, or doing, you know, a speech to, to, to different, different groups. Uh, you know, and I think there's something powerful to, to putting the time and effort into that, but then also knowing the people intimately and then doing the work. People forget that part. You can't just show up and phone this in because if you just say the same cookie cutter thing that you said at the last one, I mean, that's, that's awful. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of what wants to be memorable, you got to give a shit. Yeah. Uh, Matt, I know I'm looking at the time so you can like uh, park right. this, uh, this van and trailer whenever you want. But I also want to say like, 
speaking of stress early in the conversation, like when I started kind of uh, reading what I wrote, like my hands were kind of shaking for the first minute. And, uh, but I think if there were 200 people there, like maybe the wedding uh, initially was planned to have, uh, I don't think I would have felt as nervous as I did with just like five people in a room. You know, it was, it felt oddly vulnerable, but even though I felt that kind of, I, I didn't feel nervous before at all, but it was more the, that, that stress, the, the nerves came out physically as I started. Uh, it also felt fucking amazing because it's like, I'm alive. Like this is, this is so novel and unique, uh, of an experience, especially in quarantine for the past, uh, four months or, or whatever it's been. Like I was just grateful for something different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, I think everybody will be for that opportunity to actually go do something that just feels good. Plus, if you're big on human connection, I mean, this is like the ultimate way to connect. You know, I mean, you're going deep and, and becoming super intimate with these people and, and expressing, uh, you know, just uh, love at kind of like the highest level. You know, I mean, you're, you're, you're joining two people together in this thing that like, you know, becomes uh, very romanticized and I think sometimes blown out for, for the... Uh, the industry that is the wedding industry. But when you do it on that small scale and it's just you, these two people and a couple sets of parents, I mean, I think it makes sense why you started to feel the way you felt. But the nice thing was from our earlier conversation is you've put enough uh, work in the simulator that when you got to the actual day and the moment came, you were able to reframe it of like, oh, I know this feels kind of off but wait a second i feel super alive and this feels fucking awesome yeah and you know what i wouldn't i didn't even interpret it as like it feels off in any way if anything it's like hell yeah my like fingers should be shaking like this this is like uh you're really walking like the line of uh full aliveness in a moment like that like if you're not then like what the fuck are you doing Mm. i can imagine it was was cool it was fun Couldn't you imagine someone who does this day in and day out, like every weekend they do, you know, they officiate the wedding that eventually, you know, it, it gets stale, the well runs dry. And then like the emotion you feel, you just start, you know, potentially not for everyone, but you might just be callous enough that you just like, oh, I just do the same thing I did last weekend, well, especially yeah. if, if you don't know the people. So there's only so much connection to it, but it's also like a monetary gain. And, and yeah. I'm sure there's plenty of people out there that give a fuck that like get into it. And they, they drive it home and they do a great job. It's like a whole orchestrated thing, right? But yeah, you have religious leaders that go from, all right, I got a wedding and then tomorrow I got a funeral and then another right. funeral after that. And then you got to right. meet with the family and prep for the next ceremony. And now I'm going to do this, uh, whatever all the different uh, life stage ceremonies, if you will, sure. um, uh, to go from one to the next. Yeah, of course the shine has to wear off. And I think it's up to that person to find their own ways to, I guess, almost re-anchor and fill up their own spiritual uh, well in order to be able to provide that to the people entrusting them and giving them money for these monumental services. You ideally only get uh, one wedding, you know? You only get one funeral for a person and so on. So, like, yeah, you, you, you would hope that people that choose to uh, live out the privilege of uh, proceeding over those events, uh, like 
take it seriously and understand the gravity, especially of what that means to the people that are a part of it. I mean, you're, that's like the ultimate in being of service, right? Well, isn't that anything though that you choose to do for a profession, right? If, If you choose to do something that could be repetitive every day, you don't want to let it get stale. You have to find ways to continue to be excited about this profession that you chose to do for monetary gain, for the benefit of others, for the benefit of yourself, so on and so forth. That is a big lesson in and of itself, right? It's like there probably are people who do that shit, that particular job every day who are probably pretty bored, but that's what they know. But I bet you there's motherfuckers that do that every single day that are constantly like invested and and making time to interview each different couple and to get information. And they're constantly making themselves busy with work in order to, um, to, to, to provide that, that, optimal feeling that, that, that you have the power to provide to those people and to themselves to know that you did a good job. Because why the fuck would you do anything if you're not? If you don't feel good about the job you're doing, then go, like you said, go do something else. If you don't feel a responsibility to the people that you are serving, then you shouldn't serve them, you know? And, and, and you're right. I, so I do have to wrap up in a second, but I wanted to say, just so you guys, um, something that I encountered this week too. I did my first online group drum class. Congrats, man. Thank you. And I, you know, I charged every person, you know, a dollar amount to join the class. It was 13 students. I had never done it over, over zoom like that before. I was really nervous to be honest because I'm charging money. I care. I want to provide a good experience for these kids and these people that are showing up and giving me their time for, two, three hours, I want to fucking deliver. And I was worried about, is the connection going to hold up? Is the, is it going to sound good? Am I going to, you know, am I going to be able to tell if these people are engaged or if they're fucking falling asleep? You know, am I, and is that my fault? Anyway, that that anxiety was with me for days before the class. And then once I started, once I sat down and I started doing it and I did my thing and I, was just honest with everybody. Look, guys, I want you to know I've been really nervous about this because I want to provide a good experience and I want you guys to tell me if there's anything that's not good and if the mic is too soft or if I'm too loud or whatever, like, please don't hesitate. And there was a couple like little bumps in the road, little things that happened for different people. But man, it was a success and I and I loved it. And to your point, it's something that it was a reminder that I like and enjoy and care about doing these things. Because if I didn't, I wouldn't give a fuck. I wouldn't have even tried. I wouldn't care whether my microphone is on or if I have a good lighting setup or if I, you know, whatever, any of the aspects I was worried about. So that's how, for anybody uh, wondering if they're doing the right thing in life, if if, if you're worried about performing a good job for the benefit of others, you're doing the right thing. And that stress is worth learning how to manage and optimize for the benefit of yourself and those others. You know, that, that is, that's it. That's, that's, you're doing the right thing. Good for you, man. Uh, and, and I could imagine, and I've been to one of your drum master sessions, uh, many years ago. Uh, and I could see that obviously I'm sure you provided a ton of value, uh, for, for these people, uh, musically and as drummers, but for you to just like say, hey, 
I'm kind of nervous about this. And it's because I, I care and I want to be valuable to all of you. Um, that may have been the most valuable thing that you could have given them, especially some of these, these people that might put you on a pedestal because they, uh, when they play their drums, they see your name on their snare drum or they see like your face on the cover of a magazine on their wall. Uh, and for you to uh, show up and say, hey, I'm human and I really care. And because I care, uh, I'm feeling these ways. That gives them total permission to be able to, to live in that in their lives as well. And I can't think of a greater gift that you could give someone so impressionable. Yeah. So good on you. No, thanks. And what's so cool, I, I created a, a little Instagram group afterwards for everybody so they could exchange information. It's been days of constant activity. And like, I've said a couple things here and there, but I mean, it's like got a life of its own. These dudes from all over the world now are sharing music and sharing ideas on, on recording and different DAWs that are better than others and different, just all sorts of shit. And it's like, fuck yeah, they care too. Like, it's so obvious that it's not just somebody trying to, you know, meet somebody they look up to. It, these people like are more invested in drumming and music than they are me. And that, those are the people that I want to teach. I don't want to p- teach people that are just there to like, have an experience meeting me. I want to teach people that want to learn something to apply. And it was just so obvious that it was like the right group of, of people that took it seriously. And I guess, you know, that that's a testament to why, um, for anyone listening to, like, why should you charge money for a service you're providing? Because it weeds out people that aren't going to take it seriously. If you're going to invest money into something, chances are you're going to take that experience seriously and, and you're going to try to really get something out of it. Um, and charging a premium for that matter is, is sometimes the right thing to do because you want to get people that are going to be engaged in what service you're offering them or what information you're offering them. So it was just really nice to see that they cared and it wasn't just about like some experience with some random drummer, you know, it was, it was literally just, uh, they, they really wanted to learn and they're proving it over and over, you know, and I'm not even involved really in that conversation now. So I hope our, I think that's what we see in our group too. Yeah. Um, it, it's not about this, this, the, the Facebook group, when we, when we promote it, it's not about us. It is about the things we're talking about, the information we're sharing, the, the things that you as the listener are going through and can share with others and can learn with others and from others. That's, that's what it's about. So anyway, um, so I do have to bounce, but Jordan, do you, uh, do you want to take us home before I, uh, before I go? Yeah. I just, Justin, was there any last things you wanted to express? No, I, I, you know, I'll just say one thing about Matt's experience. Look, I think a lot of us get really lost in the sauce and lost in the weeds of everything's got to be perfect. And the, from the lighting to, you know, making sure that nothing fucks up with the computer, you know, and, and whatever you were using zoom or something else, you know, doesn't, doesn't fall apart and everything else. I think once we just, just become honest with ourselves in that moment with, I'm going to do the best I can with what I got and my intentions are pure and they're in the right place and my heart is there and I give a shit. I think for, for everyone, we can all take a little lesson in that though. You just go for it. And you can also be very vulnerable and open and honest that like, here's what I'm prepared for. Here's all the shit that may go south. And if it does, 
we'll deal with it. It's all good. We're all here in this together. A hundred percent. Like be honest about those things with people because then they, they're a part of the experience. They're a part of getting to, to, to optimization, right? You know, because exactly. nobody's perfect. And that's, yeah. that's exactly yeah. what I did. I was like, look, I hope the lighting's good. I hope it sounds good. I hope you can hear me. I did everything I could. We're in this together. I'll work with you guys. If you work with me, let's try it. You know, let's give it a go. Why would you not be honest about that? And it's funny. Ironically, I think if I had gone into it like, oh, yeah, I, this is going to be fucking fine. I, it's easy. Everything would have gone man. wrong. I mean, and it would have been, right. been douchey as shit. And, and I, I mean, then... At the same time, I, I don't think I would ever feel that way about a situation like that. Even doing it again, like I'm going to do it again probably in a couple of weeks. I'm going to have the same exact level of anxiety about it because it's a new group of people and I want to provide them a good experience. And who knows? It, it, it could be fine or there could be a problem and I'll have to figure it out then. So just it's humility and, and realizing that like the more honest you are with the people that, that you're engaging with, the better the experience is going to be, the more you're going to e- immediately get on the same level. And then when you guys are on this, when, when we're all on the same level, then that's when we can really start to, to grow. You know, that's, that's key. I love that, man. Yeah. Well said, like, yeah, the uh, humility and it, it's, and that, that's what you, when I say like, please be kind to yourself at the end of these episodes, like, that's what I mean. The, the more that we can just, accept ourselves then we can show up in the world in that way and it puts people at ease to to be kinder to themselves as well uh and matt what you just shared that's a perfect example of it you weren't uh, going into it thinking like everything had to be perfect and if something fucks up then like everyone's just gonna hate you and they're not getting their money's worth uh or or any of that you just showed up as you were and and you stated your intention. Your intention was uh, to be of service. And by doing that, you were asking for their feedback, honest feedback. You know, when I share uh, publicly with groups, I I often uh, leave uh, a feedback form for them to fill out. And I'll say to them, like, saying something nice is helpful and it's appreciated, but I'm almost more interested in uh, you giving me constructive criticism uh, and don't be, don't uh, try to um, like walk on eggshells because in fact, to be as honest as you can about your experience with me, especially how it could be improved, that's actually demonstrating love to me. That's how I experience love because it's honest and I'm not gonna like, my feelings can take it. You know, I could be bummed out if, if you tell me the truth and I don't like it. Uh, but maybe me not liking it is the thing that could serve me the most. Um, but we can't, we can't do that unless we're kind to ourselves, right? So that, that's why uh, that's kind of become the, the theme at the end of every episode. But that is a fucking flag that like, I feel strongly about planting uh, no matter what the ground is that, that I'm walking on. Uh, Matthew J. Halpern has his rally towel. Uh, Justin has his battle ropes. And I have my cowbell. Uh, this is how we're going out. Uh, please be kind to yourself. I don't say that lightly, but I say that with uh, sincerity and kindness um, and, and love for you, quite frankly. Facebook.com slash groups slash Chocolate That is where we are every day. Please join us there. Uh, at Chocolate Croissants Podcast on Instagram. Uh, I've done a couple puff pastry episodes, Shorter in Nature. 
Uh, guys, I got the point. I understand. <laughs> I'm working to it. Um, the, so the Instagram, that's a thing. Go check it out. I'm going to be doing more of those with community members. Uh, you may have noticed Joe Hamilton, Jungle Joe Hamilton, if you will, has not been on these podcast episodes more recently. Uh, but John. I just, uh, yeah, John, I just uh, chatted for an hour, which I learned was the Instagram live limit uh, with him. Uh, so that's all archived. It's all up there. Uh, YouTube.com slash chocolate croissants hey i haven't said this in a while but uh if you have like apple podcasts or whatever like give us a review give us a rating that actually helps us uh we feel really proud about these episodes and conversations we've been sharing uh so if you could do your part to help make sure that it gets the attention of other people uh we'd really appreciate that uh quite frankly um that's it i've been wearing these glasses i'm gonna put them on my face now i'm going to slowly Get into the camera. This is what YouTube is for. Uh, please be kind to yourself. Justin, Matt, I appreciate you both. Uh, we will be back next week with the new episode of the Chocolate Croissants podcast. Hey, hey, hey. Uh, yo, Nardwar, doot, 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 doot. Check him out. All right, bye-bye.